Alex, you're back. What is going on? Uh, well, you know, I'm watching Star Wars Clone Wars. Of course, I'm continuing. When I'm not studying or trying to put my feature stuff together, I'm staying up a lot later at night to watch some Star Wars Clone Wars. And I am currently at Season 6, Episode 6, so I'm almost done that. Sorry, did you start from Season 1? I did. I've watched it plenty of times before, but um, I think... Back in December, I started watching it again, and oh, over okay. reading week, it was like study of a mix of some video games during the day, and I'd stay up a little later and watch some Clone Wars, and over the past few days, whenever I've had the chance, I've like yesterday, because I had some free time, I crushed season five, like it was nothing, it's probably the best season in the show, but yeah, because now every Friday season seven episodes are coming out. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's that's really fun. What have you been up to? School. Yeah. Honestly. You got your feature stuff done today. How was that? Yeah, went to take some pictures, talk to some customers. You know yeah. how things go. Yeah, man. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll go into the hockey talk. And Alex, there's only one thing to do with the uh, the power hour today, and that's that you yeah. want to talk about an anniversary. It's actually not even hockey related. What is the anniversary then? I'm going to have to send it to you and you're going to just, you have to watch it. I have to watch it? Oh, is I think I know what this is. Oh, no, wrong link. I apologize. All right. I apologize. If this Let is what I say- think, I'm going to play it so we can hear it. I know. I, uh, <laughs> I love this thing. I love this, this clip absolutely so much. Hold on. Why? God dang. I hate how Skype does this. All right, let's go to Alex. Do, 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 do. The stalling music when you can't figure it out because you don't know how to quite use Skype. Do, 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 do. Okay. Stall while I get up. God dang it. The link from Skype is not working, but I'll, I'll it, get it. It was trade deadline day on Monday. And. I think Adam and I had some highly low expectations. Yeah. All right. I got it. You have it? Okay. All right. Hopefully this gets picked up nicely on uh, on Skype. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. I am. Who do you think you are? I am. I am. <laughs> that is by far the best thing I've seen all day. What's that? The eight-year anniversary of the famous. <laughs> it's been eight years. It's not felt like eight years. Some sort of bowling thing. I don't know what it is, but I am. Who do you think you are? I am. Oh, oh that, I love that guy. Hilarious. Hopefully, that comes up well enough on the audio. That's okay. We'll figure it out. Well, we'll skip read of the bye week because I think both of us are a little a little tuckered out when it comes to hockey this week. I don't know about you, Alex, but trade deadline for me is just 
having to balance it when you have an exam is terrible or a midterm because oh, it's yeah. just you're religiously checking Twitter to see what's going on. Yeah, I had a, I have a Twitter problem. Mm-hmm. Like I'm addicted it, to Twitter. It was definitely an interesting trade deadline because it's the most trades we've had on a trade deadline since 2010. I think it turned out to be a lot more fun than we expected. Mm-hmm. The first hour was dull, but then starting, I think, 9 o'clock onwards, it was just banger, banger. I came out of my midterm and heard that Parise was almost an Islander and lost it. Uh, I, I, that was hilarious. But anyway, Alex, I think we might, you know, I say but anyway so much. I got to work. And I was listening to, um, I was listening to our last episode. And I said, I, I, at the end of every goddamn team, it was, but anyway, Alex, got to work on those transitions outside the power hour. But that's it for said power hour. So today's show is going to be going through each team in the league. Looking at their trade deadline. Maybe we'll give them a grade. Why not? We're teachers. No, we're Why not. not? Why not? But, Alex, I think before we do that, I have a good feeling that we might be having an interesting show coming up soon. Why is that? We won't give any details, but we do have a legitimate guest that we're working oh, on. Oh, maybe. Maybe. A, a legit guest that... if there, Here's the one hit, ladies and gentlemen. He went to the second best school in Toronto behind Ryerson, of course, is what we'll say. Yeah. But anyway, god dang it, I did it again. Why not? Damn it, right. Who do you think you are? I am. Let's jump into it, though, Alex. Going to the trade deadline, I want to start asking you about how you feel about the Anaheim Ducks and their trade deadline. Sorry, what uh, division are we starting with? The Pacific? Uh, why not? The Anaheim Ducks. I think they got some moves done. Um, they traded for they traded Derek Grant to the Flyers. They brought in Danton Heinen from the Bruins. Brought in uh, Christian Juice from the Capitals. Uh, Sonny Milano. You know, I think they did. They they made some good deals considering their rebuilding. Uh, obviously, Derek Grant, we all knew he was going to be moved. They're going to get a fourth-round pick. Uh, Nick Ritchie really wasn't working out in Anaheim, but I liked the return for Danton Heinen. Uh, Daniel Sprung, it, it just really hasn't worked out for him. Oh, how the mighty has fallen. Uh, yeah, I think at this point they were just trying to get whatever they could. I, I like that they brought in Sonny Milano. You know, it's a different it, – it's a similar presence that Nick Ritchie brought, but I think Sonny Milano might be a little bit better. Uh, he's going to be an RFA at the end of the year as well. Um, other than that, I think it was kind of just some smaller deals. Obviously, they traded Corbinian Holzer. Uh, they, tra- they traded for Joel Parrison from the Oilers. But all in all, I think that was a – decent trade deadline for them uh they made i think they made their bigger move earlier in trading andre kasha yes um there there were no real surprises coming out of anaheim obviously we talked about ryan miller i thought there was a potential to be moved but i didn't think ryan miller really wanted to leave anaheim so no real surprise in anaheim what would you give them if you had to assign them a letter grade. Would you say Anaheim? I mean, let's yeah, let's include the cash deal because I think that was their their big move, as you say. Um, a B. 
A B? Just a solid B? Yeah, because I think they could have gone more out of Boston for Andre Kasha, considering they took on the David Backus deal. But I think the first round pick in Axel Anderson was a, a decent return. I mean, hey, if Axel Anderson stays healthy for 75% of his career, I think they win that trade because Andre Kasha, that's the question. Can he stay healthy? I'll agree with you and give them a B. Why not? Okay. Got it. Arizona. Uh, nothing. Absolutely. Well, they made one trade. That does not count. A Marcus Hanekainen for a seventh He's if not. he plays 10 games. No. But other than that, I think, you know, they made their move. Taylor Hall, that was their move. But obviously they, they, they made that earlier in the year. I, I, I did not think that they were going to go uh, make a bigger trade considering what they gave up for Taylor Hall. And I know we talk about uh, that really, like what did they give up? But looking at what they have, they don't have their first round pick and they don't have their third round pick. Um, I, I didn't see them making any other moves. To be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed in the Yotes. I thought that they did need to get some more scoring. I guess that they didn't like the prices that were there. And not to mention cap space for them is a bit the LTIR shenaniganery. So I would have liked to have seen them do more because I think, yeah, beside the Hakkarainen deal, which, by the way, cannot find anything about this guy that saved my life. Pretty sure I'm not spelling his name right, but again, uh, if he plays more than 10 games this year, I'll be amazed. But I'm gonna, if I gave them a grade, I'm gonna give the Coyotes a solid D plus. I don't even know what to give them because they really didn't do much. But at the same time, I wasn't expecting them to do much. Um, Hannah Kynan played uh, 28 games with the Cleveland Monsters, 18 points. Did he not play in the NHL at all this year? No, he played with Columbus uh, last year, 44 games. So he couldn't crack Columbus's lineup this year. Yeah, that, yeah. Nothing but injuries all year. Yes. All right. You know what? Shout out to the Yotes there. By the way, the reason I started with the Western Conference is because I felt like last episode we blew everything on the East, and we. I don't know about you, but I was I was rushing to finish up the Western Conference that day. So. Guy, give the West some love. Yeah. So, speaking of, you know, we're still in the West. We're still in the Pacific Division. Why don't we look at the LA Kings? Okay, we're skipping the order. I we're no, we're staying in the Pacific Division. Yeah, but not in alphabetical order. Really Uh, threw me off there. I'm sorry. Would you like to do alphabetical order then? It's okay. All right. But anyway, the Kings who. Alex, I stand by what I said last episode. I don't think this is going to be a team that is bad for long. I love the Toffoli deal for them. I love the Martinez deal for them. When you look at the deadline day itself, though... Didn't do much. I mean, they traded Derek Forbort. Which is, I mean, hey. Like, looking at their draft this year, first, three seconds, two-thirds, two-fourths, And then again, next year, they already have an additional second from the Blues. So they are doing it well, and they already have an amazing system as is. Yeah, well, I'm looking at their cap-friendly page. The only name that stands out to me that they really could have traded 
was Trevor Lewis. I think Ben Hutton, obviously, he's a UFA at the end of the year. I think that's a guy you re-sign just because he'll be somewhat cheap and you do have to fill out your NHL roster. You got to keep someone. Obviously, yeah. So I'm only surprised that they didn't get rid of Trevor Lewis. I think the fact that they got a a conditional fourth that can upgrade to a third – for Derek Forbort, I think that's perfectly fine. Shall we move on to the Flames then? Not much else to say sure. about the Kings. Because no. I actually really, really like the Flames deadline. Yeah. I think they robbed the Blackhawks of Eric Gustafson. Now, he did, he's not scoring 17 goals again this year, but I really, really like a third for Gustafson in that conditional pick for Forbort. I really like that. Yeah, that... For me, I knew Gustafson was going to be moved. I'm not surprised that Calgary was interested, considering Giordano and Hamannick are both injured. I think Giordano should be coming back soon. Hamannick's out a bit longer. But the fact that they only got a third for Eric Gustafson surprised me. The clown comments were fantastic on Chicago's Twitter. Yeah. Uh, So Calgary traded a 2020 conditional third. And Chicago's going to receive the earlier of Calgary or Edmonton's third-round pick. I like that. I, I don't understand how they did this. <laughs> I, But I love the trade. You know, I think this is, like I said before, these they're missing two defensemen. We talk, Obviously, they need scoring. We've talked about before, but... I mean, there's no harm in bringing in extra defensemen. No such thing as too many D. Look at the Pittsburgh Penguins for that. Look at the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, that is that is very true. That's and we'll get very, to them very, later. Obviously. Oh, oh, yeah. And they, I don't know about you, Alex, but I think they are my definitive winners Absolutely. of the deadline. But sticking in the Pacific, a team that... I think definitely can be considered winners, even though there is one player who I think is kind of bringing that down to a lot of people. But somehow the San Jose Sharks, they get a third for Patrick Marlowe, which I think was still a bit much, but good for, you know, what the Pittsburgh Penguins don't care. They get a nice vet player, but also they get a first-round pick for Barclay Goudreau. Now, first of all, that's probably going to be a, a basically an early second-rounder, but still, Tampa Bay give up a first for Barkley Goudreau. Yeah, I thought so. At first, I'm like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, you're giving up a first for someone like Barkley Goudreau. Then you go look at Barkley Goudreau this year and next year, nine hundred twenty-five thousand. We talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are going to have to get rid of one of Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord, or Andre Palat. No, sorry. Alex Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, or Yanni Gord. One of those players are gone. Right? So having cheap players for next year that can replace them. Right. I'm not saying Barclay Goudreau is is going to be as good as any of those players, but they also have played. We know that the Tampa Bay lightning have players in the system who probably by next year can come up because first for somehow they develop players like there's no tomorrow. Yes. 
So I think this deal was made out of necessity for next year, just like the Blake Coleman deal was made for next year. They could have gone and spent a first-round pick on a rental for this year. But the fact that they could spend a first-round pick for a player that maybe was less had less quality but assured them that they're going to be on this team next year, that makes more sense to me. And also, this trade shows me just how frustrating the GM Doug Wilson kind of is. Mm-hmm. That he, again, you look at the contract scenario and how big of a mess is, but then he can pull out a deal like this. Again, a third for Marlowe and that. But just a last note on the Sharks. We'll talk about Tampa a bit more later. Well, there's not much to really talk about with Tampa. But the more the bigger headline coming out is that Joe Thornton was not moved. Which does, right. it sounds like no real contender was interested. Apparently the Bruins didn't go in that deep into conversation. Which, first of all, how dare they? Do they not like fairy tales, the Boston Bruins? No, they care about winning. Not spending for no reason. But Jumbo Joe, still, he's still a player. On okay, well, I guess we'll get to Boston, but I I don't know. Like you're gonna play him on your fourth line. That's maybe it, on Boston. Well, but he's been playing at bottom six for over the past few years in San Jose, and he still has twenty three assists, twenty seven points this year at at his age. Don't know how much teams would want him. Ah, dude, that's other that's, than the presence in the locker room. He's been there. The Leafs could benefit from a Joe Thornton character in the room. Okay, who are you taking out of the lineup? Jason Spezza? Frederick Gauthier. Gauthier is barely playing. Yes, but then you give So you're going to play him five minutes. Okay, let's. Gauthier is barely playing hockey. So you can take Frederick Gauthier out and replace him with Joe Thornton. You're going to play Joe Thornton seven minutes a night? That's what Gauthier is playing. Swap him and Spezza out, and you load manage both those other players going into the playoffs. What? What? You don't want to be playing a bunch of 34, and then what's Spezza? 34, Joe Thornton, 40 years old, going down into the playoffs. I'm just saying. If but Jason Spezza's about- playing seven. Jason Spezza's not playing that much. And it's not like he's play- they're playing every night. Well, I want the you just whole point of lo- scenario where Joe whole. The track. whole point of load management is so that when they're playing back to back, Jason Spezza doesn't have to play every other night it's or every night. Going down to the playoff stretch, though, that's when you should be resting certain guys, not just on back to backs, but just you know, a few games down, down. Sorry, that's not the case in this city, unless you've missed like the last week. Why do you hate Joe Thornton? I don't hate Joe Thornton, but I don't <laughs> want to have to give up another pick to bring in Joe Thornton. Oh, are you telling me you couldn't just give up like a fourth rounder for Jumbo Joe? No. No one else what? gave up a fourth round pick for Jumbo Joe. Because they're fools. They don't appreciate his value. What value? Explain <laughs> this to me. Bloody San Jose. Okay. Points. He's still a, a, a valuable. Took a took a, a cut in the, to took a, a team cut. that's not making the playoffs. Don't tell me about his past. Tell me about what he is right now. I'm telling you, he's still. He'll probably finish. If Joe Thornton could probably still get you 35 points by the end of the year. And how uh, many points Bob does he have now? Sorry. How many points does he have now? You know he's playing second line minutes. 
That's why he has so many points. He's not playing bottomed six time at all. You Half their team is Jumbo, injured. Jumbo Joe Thornton's one of the best playmakers of all time. You're not gonna his age isn't gonna take away his ability to make six losses in the uh, on the power play. Okay. Well, who are you taking off the power play? Okay, you've you've made your point that it doesn't fit in Toronto, right? I just I'm just well. listen. What I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to think of a scenario where somebody could have taken a legit contender. I'm okay, a- so who are the contenders? So first of all, Boston. I'm gonna bring up Boston's daily faceoff here. I already I have it up too. All right, so who's 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 there for 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 uh, their Boston? fourth line is Sean Corrali, Par Lindholm, and Chris Wagner. You're telling that's with, me. Wait. That's with Andre Kasha out, so that takes someone else out. Well, first that of all, would mean to stay out because he can't stay healthy. So now you're making an assumption that he's going to be out. Okay. Plus, Kasha will be playing Just, top six minutes. He's taking Carson. Can, yeah. So can you wait thirty seconds so I can figure out who's moving down? So I'd assume Anders Bjork plays fourth line minutes. So Anders Bjork, Sean Corrali, and Chris Wagner. I'm taking Parlent home out. Okay, who's taking out? Sean, any of them. Jesus Christ. I, Joe Thornton is an upgrade on any of those guys right now. No. I, all right. You know what? Let's move on from the Sharks. No. I don't care that he can throw a hit. I, I don't think he can play up to the speed. Why are you bringing up hits? I'm bringing up Because I know exactly what you're trying to prove. You're trying to prove that he's a physical player. I get it. He's a physical player. I've more brought up his points in the building on the power play and his off-ice leader. I didn't give a crap. Okay, so who's he playing on Boston? Who's he taking out on the second power play unit? Which is Richie, Krejci, DeBrusque, Greslick, and McAvoy. I assume when Kasha comes back, he will play on the second power play unit. Say those those names again, please. Kasha, Krejci, DeBrusque. McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick. Matt Grizzlick? I don't know that much about Matt Grizzlick. Right-handed defenseman. Right-handed defenseman. Listen. No one. The answer is no one. So he's not even playing on the power play. I think you can make room. I think that's. I, I think. Don't think you're. You're not touching the first power play unit. That's ten thousand percent. Oh no, no! Of course not. You're not touching Pat. You're not t- touching. You know, I'm assuming it's it's what like Bergeron, Martian, not even a question. McAvoy, obviously, but no Krug, Martian, Bergeron, Coyle, Krug, Pasternak. Oh come on, you're ta- you know no no no. Let's let's move on. We spent far too much time and, and energy on Joe Thornton and the San Jose Sharks. Okay, next uh, team. Uh, so the Edmonton Oilers, I actually really, really like their their deadline. Maybe a bit too much on Andreas Athamasi, but they still bring in uh, Mike Green. They bring in Tyler Ennis, and I see that. I like the Athamasi with you. I do as well. I mean, yeah, but you don't like Athamasi. That's the discussion we had. Yes, I don't like Athamasi as a player because he reminds me a lot of Kapanen. As I te- really think he's going to thrive with McDavid. You throw anyone with McDavid. You look at Cassian, he just got four years. Look at Chason, got him a two-year contract. 
Oh, he eats the gold line Athamas see you, and again, you can never go wrong with speedy players. This is all the stuff about Athamas see you. At the same time, his agent, I just think, oh god, how much of a problem is this player going to be? Also, I I think people are undermining how important a player, not it's important, sorry, but I mean, kind of how much of a bargain sale Tyler Ennis is. I yeah, man, fifth round pick. Really, I think he played than Zach Cassian is. Yeah, I think that's solid. Yeah, and they brought in Mike Green. Which, I mean, I, hey, definitely like. there. Well, considering I Clef bombs out and I think someone else is out as well, I really don't mind this deal. I think they're really stacking up for the playoffs. Now that McDavid's back, last night McDavid played with Athanasiu and Tyler Ennis, and I believe they both got points. <laughs> of course they did. So I don't think there's any harm in in those deals. And they didn't have to give up a first. And they got rid of the Sam Gagne deal, which I thought was a nice little piece of business. Yeah, but I, I thought his deal was ending this year, was it not? Yes, but they're still need to they're still gonna need to move the money, right? So and I think like a team could say, All right, maybe I'm not gonna give up as much and the Oilers still That's have to true. give up. Seconds, right? So I, I, I like That's it. True. I hate giving them credit, but... Yeah, so do I. Shall we move on to the Canucks, who... Got I, Louis Domingue. Yeah, they got Louis Domingue because it... Originally, um, during the game against the Bruins, actually, when they kicked the Bruins' ass, there was a bit of a scare with Jacob's Mark and Jacob Markstrom. He kind of got a stick to the eye. A lot of people thought it was this, but apparently he has a knee issue. He'll be hurt for a little bit here. I did. I don't think I've been able to find the exact length or if anything's been. Confirmed. I think it was three to four years, three to four weeks. So, because of that, the Canucks have gotten out, gone out. They've picked up Louis Deming from the Devils, and they're going to have to be relying on him and Thatcher Demko. A real, real test for Demko, in my opinion. But when it came to the deadline, yeah, it was just Deming. They didn't go on Wayne Simmons. Somehow he went. The team will talk about it later, but they were quiet. I don't mind that considering they made the Toffoli deal. Right? They did the work beforehand. And I, I can't even get mad about that deal because Toffoli got the OT winner versus Montreal last night because, of course, he did. Of so, course, he did. Yeah. I, I can't. I talk. mean, well, listen, Bessers, I believe Besser should be back before the playoffs. Uh, Levo, I don't remember if Levo's coming back at some point uh, before the playoffs, but those are two additions to the team that when they do come back will be pretty big additions. Uh, Markstrom is going to come back. That's another addition. So I, I don't see an issue with them not really going out and making the move, making any moves. I mean, you said it before. They also have to deal with the cap, so that's a separate issue for them. Yeah, I don't mind it. It'll be. I think. Uh, I don't know if I'm starting to turn a corner on the Canucks, or maybe it's just my mind is slowly just snapping. But the the Pacific. I, I've said this so many times before, but I'm so excited to watch this division going down the stretch, because it legitimately could come down to the last day of the season for a lot of these teams, and it's so nice to finally see Vegas on top of the division. And I think that Vegas stealthily 
was a real big winner at the deadline for one player. And, of course, that's Nick Cousins. I'm kidding. They brought in Robin Leonard. That was an interesting deal. I think for me, um, there were a couple deals that surprised me. And I think we're going to get to them later, obviously. But we always knew one of Robin Leonard and or Corey Crawford was going to be traded. I assumed it was going to be Robin Leonard because they're obviously going to keep Corey Crawford because why not? I was surprised that the Golden Knights were in on Robin Leonard. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Because they have Marc-Andre Fleury. That's what kind of came to mind for me is you have Marc-Andre Fleury. Why do you go after a big name like that? Like I could have seen them going after a smaller name if they were available, but this just kind of surprised me. I really like this. I'm not going to lie. Like Fleury has had a weirdish season. Like, I mean, yeah, he's he's the rear Gerard. He's the reason Gerard Gallant doesn't have a job anymore. Right. Same with Babcock. I mean, he's twenty five, fourteen, and five, which really isn't the worst record. It's just his save percentage is nine oh six. Goals against average two seven two point seven nine. I guess they wanted to bring in someone to back him up. Yeah. No, I I don't know if it's backing up though because it's Robin Leonard. Is, does Vegas have the best tandem? Oh, they – well, let me ask you this. Who's better, Ben Bishop or Marc-Andre Fleury? Oh, Ben Bishop right okay. now. And who who do you think is better, though? This is an interesting one. Who's better, Anton Kudobin or Robin Leonard? Robin Leonard. Yeah, that's – I think that's that's the bad the, – the mix up there is I think, yeah, Dallas have a better A – but I think I don't know if there are much better Bs in the league, or you could say one B. But than the thing is, Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard is an A. I'm, That's I'm sorry, the thing. What I'm saying, sorry, what, what I mean to say is, in his current role now. Yeah, yeah. Pretty well. And by the way, all the all the uh, if if the if the Vegas Golden Knights want to win a cup, just take a, a page out of Pittsburgh's book. Let Flurry win the first two rounds, and then Leonard steal the job for the last two, and they win a cup. Yeah. Can we say that this was the most confusing deal ever? Yeah. So somehow the Leafs had Robin Leonard for a second. Yeah. So here's what happened. And I know you were confused and I was confused for like 10 minutes before I figured it out. So this is what happened. The Blackhawks sent Leonard to the Leafs for uh, nothing. And the, the Blackhawks retained 50% of his salary. Now, a contract can have salary retention twice. So the Leafs retained 44% of the 50% of the left of the leftovers so that Leonard could be on the Golden Knights. And in return, the Leafs got a fifth round pick. Which, hey, that's that's that is that's a Kyle Dubas deal in a nutshell to me. Doing something that not a lot of other people are going to think. Yeah. Well, this isn't the first time that a deal like this has happened. I believe it was last year or the year before. Vegas's first year. I believe they were it was part of the Ryan Reeves trade when Ryan Reeves went to Vegas. 
but uh, I could be wrong on which trade. Was it the da- weird ones? There was also the. Do you remember the Derek Broussard one, where yes. Pittsburgh had to try again because there was some sort of mess up in the salary cap? Yeah, this is the. That's the deal. That's, that's the deal the- I'm talking about. Yes. What's going on? Too many things. Just one more note on Robin Leonard uh, from Thirty One Thoughts, which came out today from Elliot Friedman, friend of the show. Uh, apparently, the max Chicago were willing to go with Leonard was two years, which is. I don't like the Blackhawks. I really don't. Uh, and just one more thing on Vegas. Your thoughts on Nick Cousins for 2021 for? I don't mind it. Again, it's a depth forward. You can never have too many depth players. A power play quarterback. Don't think for this team, though. By the way, I don't know if Cousins got a fourth, but Nate Thompson got a fifth. I, You know, whatever. I'm not going to complain about it. So anyway, we're done the Pacific. So I'm thinking, Alex, since we just talked about this team in regards to Robin Leonard, we look at the Chicago Blackhawks, who... Boy, they did not have a good one. They did not have a good deadline. Again, we uh, talked about we didn't like the Gustafson deal. Yeah. I mean, they did... I think they did okay on the Robin Leonard deal, considering everyone pretty much... It felt like everyone knew he was... On the market, they got Malcolm Subban and a prospect. Uh, I think, you know, you have to give Malcolm Subban some chance in Chicago, considering he hasn't really got much of a chance in Boston or in Vegas. He's not good, is he? He's... I, I don't know. I just feel like he's never been given a proper chance because he's always been, sh- like, in the shadow of... Either Tuka Rask or Mark Andre Fleury. You remember he was a Bruin, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you never pick your goalies too high in the draft. Anyway, though, if we want to talk about disappointing teams in the Central and Trade Deadline, the Predators' move was to bring in Carbinius Holzner. That's well, about. The- Here's the thing when I looked at what the Predators did is I don't know what they are. Which is the worst thing to say about a team. Don't know what they are. Don't know their identity. And where – well, let me pull up the standings, you know, while it loads. Where they are in a second wild card spot, they have games in hand over the team behind them in Winnipeg. It, does it make sense for them to add? I don't think they're going to get a central spot. They are no. nine points behind that. So they're either a wild card team or they're not a wild card team. Does it make I I don't think it makes sense for them to bring in a name. Now, right? Like for me, it says, okay, what's the point of loading up if you're going to be in a wild card spot? You're probably going to face one of Vegas or St. Louis. It's, you know, I, I get it. I'm just, I look at Nashville and I'm just thinking to myself now that a big part of me really, really wants them to miss because that means, I think it's a foregone conclusion that if Nashville missed this year, that that team, they're like kind of like Calgary, that it's that group's last shot, and I can't wait to see Philip Forsberg get moved in the offseason. 
You think that's the guy that's going to be traded? I I I I don't think so, but I just wanted to have because pure madness. I am surprised that neither Craig Smith or Grandling got dealt though, especially Craig. Smith. Uh, that's the thing is, because of the position they're in, I'm not surprised that they didn't move. Uh, for me, it was okay if they're if they think okay we're gonna we're not worried about making the playoffs. If we make the playoffs, we don't make the playoffs. Whatever. Then I go and trade those two guys. But if you, what you're saying is true, and I think Friedman talked about this as well, or CJ, one of them, was talking about if this season doesn't go well, like if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be a big change. So from that standpoint, I'm not surprised they didn't bring anyone in, and I'm not surprised that they didn't trade anyone. I think the Blues have ruined trade deadline for a lot of teams because for the for the longest time the Blues would look at themselves and really really think are we good enough, and if they weren't it was by David ba- no no David back as they held on to, uh, goodbye Kevin Shattenkirk goodbye and Paul Stassi. we don't need you because we are not good enough, so you know but not a lot of teams I think really sit down and realize that they're good enough or not <laughs> Montreal. Sorry about that, Alex. We'll just get St. Louis out the way because we're right here. They didn't do anything, uh, which is smart. They don't need to. They brought. I in- think they made their move. Yeah, Scandella has been good for them. I've bought some stuff for him. Um, of course, Jay Bomeister will not play again this season. We found out. So, and I would argue that Scandella hasn't doesn't have the experience, but just as a skill point of view, I think Scandella is actually an upgrade on Bomeister. Am I biased? Of course I am. But yeah, the Blues. Reigning, defending Stanley Cup champions, head of their division. They didn't need to do anything. No, no surprises there. I would, you know, I thought maybe they would be interested in one of the big names, depending on Tarasenko. Has anything been said about Tarasenko? I haven't seen anything more, no. That's fine. Um, But they really didn't need to do anything. Like, Tarasenko's going to come back for the playoffs and he's going to rip teams apart. I wonder so. if they were still I, I'd love to know if they were in on Kreider before he extended. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you know, the I, I think for a lot of teams, the asking price was high. Right? I believe it was a first a prospect and a roster player. So, that's high for a rental. Yeah. But hey, St. Louis, they don't give a crap. Exactly. So, we talk about a team that didn't do anything for a good reason. How about a team that didn't do anything and I think was a total mistake, and that's the Dallas Stars. Why Why is that a bad thing? I think they needed more speed. They're already a team. Dmitry Filipovich has brought up how good a guy like Dennis Gurionov is, and and trust me, Habs and Leafs fans know because whenever he's played against the Leafs and the Habs, he's going to score. It's it's incredible. He's such a good player. Same with Essa Lindell, another guy that they just haven't been using. I just thought, I look at Dallas, and I, I, I don't know if it's because I look at Jamie Benn as the most disappointing player over the past two years, and Tyler Sagan still isn't living up because he keeps having these massive goalless streaks and hitting the posts and all this kind of stuff that I just, I really wanted Dallas to go out there 
and get another player, especially a forward. I like their back end, but I just I, I'm not confident enough in their forward group. Yeah, I disagree. I don't think they really need to make a big move. I think the answer is in the room. Um, you know, I don't think it makes sense. Uh, like the the first name that comes to mind for me would be Vlad Domestikov. Just because you're giving up nothing, really, not a whole lot, and you're bringing in a player that can play bottom six minutes for you. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind that they really didn't do much. Well, the Dallas Stars, hey, you know, maybe maybe you're right. But just, you know, as long as Rick Bonus learns to use his players that he has at his disposal... Maybe I will, I will start believing in the stars, but um, at the same time, maybe I'm just jealous because I hate Ben Bishop with passion because he is a good goalie and uh, ended Montreal's playoff runs a couple times when he was in Tampa Bay. But you bring up Nemestikov, the Colorado Avalanche, they bring him in for a deal that I think is going to make you be very upset at the Senators a little later. And they also bring in Michael Hutchinson for goaltending depth. Because that's the goalie you want to bring in just in case everything goes tits up. Yeah. I mean, I thought they would be in for Kreider. Um, Obviously, Kreider ended up extending. But I think the fact that they brought in Vlad Nemestikov for a fourth-round pick when everyone was praising the Senators that they could get more for him, no complaints there. I think that's a guy you fit into your bottom six. I wish they had gone out and made another small deal. Uh, you look at what uh, Anaheim got for Derek Grant. That was something that Avalanche could look at. You call Montreal, who's Mark Bergevin, has been sitting in Colorado for a week. I'm surprised nothing happened there. But, I mean, players are going to come back. Uh, Kadri's going to come back. Calvert's going to come back. Rantanen's going to come back. They're still sitting pretty in third place in the division, and I don't think Nashville, who's the next team next team behind them, is catching up anytime soon. No, I didn't realize actually, because uh, of course the Avalanche have three games in hand. If and if they win all three, they're ahead of the Blues. So the Central, like the Pacific, is quite tight, especially with well more to do with those top teams. It's just they're so much better than everyone else there. By the way, Minnesota, I'm just looking at you right now. I'm thinking, you know what? Good for you. You're hanging in there somehow. I'm kidding. Decide your – just trade everyone, please. Um, Well, they're another team that didn't make a move. They didn't. So I think we talk about the Minnesota Wild. They almost dealt Zach Parise, but apparently there was some things to do with actual cash money to be paid. And Could you imagine if they had actually done it? That would be – Hilarious. Apparently, another thing from 31 Thoughts, if the deal had went through, Kiefer Bellows would have been going to Minnesota. Which Wow. Uh, I think if that had happened, I think I would have easily said the Islanders were losers at this deadline. Because that, they don't be paid enough for, for um, Pajot, sorry. I'm surprised. See, the name that I threw your way, I think you were still in a, writing an exam when the rumors first started. I was. I I texted you. I said, okay, Parise might be on his way to um, New York. Uh, Andrew Ladd going the other way. 
I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Josh Hosang is included in that deal simply because that's another young guy for the the wild and you look i mean yeah alex galchenyuk was just a throw in but that's another guy they can work work on right i i get galchenyuk's a ufa at the end of the year i don't know what they're going to do with him but bring him back make him a player yeah and and i don't necessarily think he's going to live up to the potential that where from where he was picked but i think he can be an nhl player he's still 26 the guy just i was watching a wild game the other day for some reason and it was the exact same issues some great chance in the offensive zone but then when it's in his own end he just he just falls apart yes sir if you put him with pat bergeron beautiful but anyway Last team in the Central, the Winnipeg Jets. Nothing on the actual deadline. They bring in Dylan DeMello, the porn star, and Cody Eakin. No surprises here. I think they're another team um, that I've talked about that is kind of don't really know what's happening. Uh, they're they're third for the in the wild card race, uh, tied with Nashville and Arizona on points. But Nashville has three games in hand on them. That's obviously worrisome, but I think that's a team that could potentially make the playoffs. And it didn't make sense for them to go out and make a move. I thought they would be on Sammy Vatnin. I wouldn't be surprised if they were in on Sammy Vatnin or Travis Hamnick if either of them make it to free agency because they do need right-handed defensemen, and I don't think Dustin Bufflin is playing another game for this team. What do you think winters in Sweden are like? I have no idea. Yeah, maybe Vatnin's like, oh, it reminds me of home. But, yeah, I, I, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the Jets that they've been – because, yeah, we don't quite know what they are, but it's of no fault of their own because Bufflin kind of dropped them in the middle of a pile of dung, really. So I, I guess credit to the Jets and Paul Maurice. Listen, they have – Patrick Laine started the season and he looked like a different player um, in a good way because, you know, we all bitched and complained about his – his, oh, all he does is score goals, all he does is score goals. And he showed that he can do other things. Um, Kyle Connor still putting up goals. I think he's, uh, I don't know if he's, yeah, I believe he's already scored more than 30. Connor Hellebuck playing like there's no tomorrow. Fantastic. So, teams on just completely standing on their head. Yeah, Kyle Connor, 31 goals, already two points behind his career total. He's at 64 in 65 games played. Probably, if there is a guy, for like if you're talking about underrated players, uh, I think Kyle Connor needs to be included in that conversation. For sure, I don't think many people talk about him the way he the way he should be talked about. And Patrick Laine also. Great year. Yeah. 59 points in 63 games played. Obviously, goals aren't up there as they used to be, but complete player, right? Yes. He's turning into more of a complete player. And, hey, once he really – once that second part of the game becomes natural to him, I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to go back to those goal, like 30, 40 goal scoring days. For sure. 
And that's going to get him more money when he be, when his contract's up. Yeah, as he said, I know I'm going to score goals because I'm awesome and I'm Patrick Line. Do you remember exactly. his draft interview? In his draft, he was on like the floor of his hotel room. And he's like, oh, I think I could beat Matthews for first overall pick. No, I honestly don't remember that. It's hilarious. I, I love Patrick Lining for passion. He's I was just, just excited. Why? Because you you had Austin Matthews. Yeah. But hey, yes. he's a good player. Yes. So I don't I, know. It depends on who you ask. So I'm assuming you'd like to see the Atlantic for last because our boys are both there. Sure. Why not? I'm see. I'm very excited to talk about the Metro because the Metro I think has the most to talk about. Absolutely. So. so uh, did you? Pardon. Say that again. Uh, the mic had just had like a bunch of like a bunch of distortion there. It's gone yeah, yeah. there though. Yeah, yeah. I because right. I missed what you said. Oh, okay. Sorry. How about we just get this team out the way right now because there's not a lot to do. They got Devin Shore though, and that's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I mean, listen, this team is. I don't. Listen, I said this last episode. I didn't think it made sense for this team to go all in again, considering what they did last year. I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. I think they they could potentially, but injuries are catching up to this team. Uh, there's like we went through the list. We went through the list last episode. The only player who's or two episodes ago, the only player who's back is Jonas Corposalo. Everyone else is still injured. Yeah, it's still Atkinson, Dubinsky, Jones, Wenberg, Murray, Anderson, Texier, Cahoon. No one's getting here any quicker. Right. So it's it's quite the predicament for this team. It didn't make sense for them to go in all in. You know, they're already missing their second and third round pick this year. I think if you trade your first round pick, I don't think that that is a smart thing to do. No, and uh, I remember when we all laughed at the Gustav Nyquist signing, and you know now you look at him now, he's a good player. Well, okay. because I I just don't think it it felt like it didn't make sense at the time for the direction that we thought the team was going. Exactly. But other than that, I'm pretty satisfied with what they did, considering I didn't think any big moves were going to be made for this team. I know people like Jeff Merrick, I, I swear, I think on his deathbed was probably going to be thinking that Yarmo Kakalina was going to do something big. But yeah, like you were pointing out the draft picks, smart decision not to do it. Another team that fortunately did not go through with making a stupid deal to get like a Jeff Carter, the Philadelphia Flyers instead pick up two depth centermen, Derek Grant and Nate Thompson. Two moves I really like for a team that I don't care about. They're an interesting team, uh, really, because again, they they're sitting third in the Metro. They're being chased by the Islanders and Columbus. I like these moves because they were simply depth moves. And when even when Daniel Daniel was on, he was talking about Derek Grant as a guy that a team can go out and take and play bottom six minutes for you and be somewhat effective. 
So I think I think the Derek Grant move is really good. And they brought in Nate Thompson. Big Nate Thompson guy. A cons- I also Nate Thompson, an underrated thing about that guy, uh, he's a teacher. Then uh, they have some young guys on Philly. Uh, of course, there's been some health problems with Nolan Patrick, but even if he's practicing with him, God, so you know the simple stuff like face-offs, defensive play, a penalty killing. Nate Thompson's going to really help their younger guys for that. And of course, that's a guy who came out and talked about his problems with you know sobri- like sobriety and all that kind of stuff earlier in the year. So you know, as a Habs fan, a lot of respect for Nate Thompson and Philadelphia fans. Um, treat him right because he's a great person. And uh, Jake Evans gave him a lot of credit for being a great guy. And so you know, I love you, man. I, yeah. Another team that almost kind of ruined trade deadline before uh, moving a defenseman, the New York Rangers, while we're here, Alex, your thoughts on the Chris Kreider deal, seven years, 6.5 million AAV. Okay. I, this deal, what I think of it, I think it's good for now. Obviously, it's one of those deals that might get messy at towards the end, but Here's the thing with this deal is that because it's so long, if he starts to decline, which I can't imagine happening anytime within the near future, he's 28. Uh, he's going to be 29 at the end of April. So I just I think this deal really isn't as bad as expected. And with the cap going up, and if it goes up the way some people will think that some people, the way some people think it will go up, sorry, I think it won't be as big of a factor moving forward. I think if Chris Kreider made the open market, he would have gotten more more than this. Absolutely. Oh, if he got seven by seven, I wouldn't even blink. And I don't even think that would have been as bad. Like you, Kevin Hayes got $7 million for seven years. Like, okay. is, is Chris Kreider uh, better than Kevin Hayes? Yes. Okay. So I think they, they, they came out good with this deal. How about I, the New Jersey Devils? New Jersey. I think, listen, I put them as a winner. You, I would you, agree. You trade Wayne Simmons for a conditional fifth. That could be upgraded to a fourth. Which it probably will be. Yeah. On actually, it never mind. It won't be because it's both things have to happen. Conditional fifth. Uh, got rid of Louis Domingue, who they really didn't need, and they traded Sammy Vatnin for a second and a prospect. And he and he's hurt. That's the grip. The best part about that that they got something for an injured player, which doesn't happen often. The only thing that I wish they had done was trade Kyle Palmieri because I think they would have gotten more value for him now than they would maybe at the draft or at the or sometime next year. But I understand why they would keep him because he has some value. Like you need players to play and you can't have all garbage players. It's not good for the law, lo- and I know it sounds cheesy to say this, but it's not good for the locker room. Yeah, as Fitzgerald is, it's 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 Tom Fitzgerald, right? Not Scott. It is Tom. 
he 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 wanted to have men in the locker room. You need to have. We said it about Ottawa last episode. You need to keep some people around. And Kyle Palmieri is a damn good player and is going to do a lot for Jack Hughes' career. Yeah, for sure. Nico Heischer. But we'll start. We're, we'll stay with the uh, the New York teams. As you know, because that other one is in the Atlantic. Excuse me. So how about we go look at the new... We actually will stay with news. The New York Islanders. And... They gave up a first, a second, and a conditional third for Jean-Gabriel Pajot and extended him to so, a six-year, five-million AAV deal. Here's my guess at why the, the package was so much. Because they probably started extension talks before the trade was finalized. Yeah. Because that's a big package to give up. We know that they were willing. I remember in November, uh, I believe Friedman reported that he, the Islanders were willing to give up a first. So yeah. that first, now they have confirmed a second. I doubt they're going to get the conditional third because the condition is if the Islanders win the cup this year. And I don't think they're winning the cup this year. I think there's a lot of other good teams. Um, so I think the the Ottawa Senators got a whole load for JG Pajot. Now to, for the contract, I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of that contract. To be honest, I, I don't really. In I get why he was paid like that because he's a center. That kind of boosts it. Let me let me ask you one thing. Who's the better player, Kevin Hayes or Jean Gabriel Pajot? Um, oh my God, I don't know. It's definitely it's not. This guy has broken twenty goals once in his career, and he's done it now, shooting fourteen percent. No, twice, twice he did. Oh, sorry, my bad. Read it wrong. Yeah, yeah. He is a center, yes, but he's not. It screams like Brian Little's deal to me that, yeah, he's a, you could put him in a second-line position, but he's not a fantastic second-line player. And had is one, he going to play second line? I don't even know. Uh, who else I is guess. I guess. Yeah. Who I believe, last time I checked, Derek Broussard was hurt. Oh, God. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I really... Don't at the same time though in their in calendar system. Yeah, like I, I think it doesn't make sense, but I understand why they did it. You know, it's just another one of those weird contracts that's been signed. I don't get why uh Leo Komarov was signed to that contract. Um who else? There was another weird contract I didn't like. Anders Lee, seven by seven. There was yeah, I don't like that deal. That, like that, I get he has a thing. Physical. I don't understand. I like the Jordan Eberly one though. I don't mind that. Oh but no, I love that. Jordan. I love Jordan Eberly. Great guy. Great player. Yeah, but wouldn't you love to have Leo Komarov on the Leafs at three million dollars? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to have that deal when I've got to re-sign Matt Barzell. Is that this year? 
Oh, oh boy. Yes, it is. Oh, it's going to be a fun summer. Watch, he's going to hold out, and Lou's going to trade him. Yeah, for Carl Osner because he likes gritting on defense. Exactly. Uh, come on down. We've got a few more teams to talk about here in the Metropolitan Division. And I think second to last, we will talk about the Washington Capitals. Their big moves, Brendan Dillon and Alexander Ovechkin's countryman, Ilya Kovalchuk. I like the deal simply because they didn't do a whole lot, but they improved. Brought in Brendan Dillon. You know, I think that is somewhat of an improvement. You're bringing Ilya Kovalchuk. There's nothing wrong with depth forwards or players that can play top six minutes on a team if he needs to. And you bring in someone like Daniel Sprong, who could honestly, he's probably not going to play in the NHL a whole lot the rest of the year, but not the worst thing in the world. Imagine this. You've got one too many injuries in the playoffs. You're playing the Penguins in the second round. And, oh, hey, Daniel Sprong has something up his butt because this is the team that got rid of him a few years ago. And, oh, boom, you see him, you love it. Underrated part. Um, they have Ilya Kovalchuk for $350,000. Yeah, because you retained 50%. Which is so funny to me. They had, like, it's really, you love looking at that stuff and then it's, oh, hello there, the Capitals have $191,000 in cap space. But we'll finish off the Metropolitan Division with the Pittsburgh. We missed Carolina, but that's fine. Oh, sorry. Okay, yes. I, I did mean to save those guys for last for a specific reason, but I did forget about them. That is true. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, they bring in an old man to get a cup with Patrick Marlowe. They give up Dominic Cahoom to get Connor Sheary back. And, and I like those deals. I I, I I really like those deals for Pittsburgh because it's kind of the exact thing uh, that they're looking for. It's depth. And, you know, it's not like these just depth players being thrown in there. Uh, you know, you can throw Connor Sheary on Crosby's wing and you know he'll put up points. And now you've given him a second competent winger in Jason Zucker, too. Right? So that first line is Zucker, Crosby, Sheary. Or, yeah, and and I don't mind that at all. And, you know, you're probably going to play Marlowe on your fourth line on the Penguins, and I don't think that the that's the worst thing either. That's that's a player who can still kind of play, and it's fine playing him on the fourth line. Same goes with Evan Rodriguez. That's what Daily Faceoff uh, has him on the fourth line as well. I think that's really improved the team. And I really sorry. like sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but just um, my friend is, is a big Sharks fan, and he was really mad to see Patrick Marlowe go to the team that cost him a Stanley Cup in 2017. Yeah, and, and it it doesn't hurt that uh, Bukestad's going to be back. Uh, Gensel won't be back this year, but Dumoulin, John Marino is, are will be back too. Like it's not like this team is is going to get worse. Once you put Bukestad back in, you know, you, you have the option of moving players around. What do you do with Teddy Bluger? Uh, you have Dominic Simone. You have some players to move around. And then once uh, Dumoulin and Marino come back, you can rework your defense. You're probably not going to have Yuso Ricola and Chad Ru- Ruedel as your third pair. So once these players come back, this team is looking very good. 
And and I really think are they a uh, cup contender? Like are they? It's hard to say who a cup contender is in the East because there's so many teams that really improved. Uh, I think Washington was always a cup contender. Pittsburgh improved. I think they could potentially be a cup contender. Like I think they are. Boston cup contender and they got better. Tampa Bay cup contender and got better. Carolina, I don't know if they're necessarily a cup contender, but they got better. Absolutely got better. And that's five teams. Well, you mentioned them there, and I almost forgot about them. My undisputed winner of the trade deadline, the Carolina Hurricanes that I, I don't I don't I don't I don't give a crap about what they gave up, but they bring in Vincent Trocheck. Now imagine, look at their center depth with a guy like Jordan Stahl, him there. They bring in Sammy Vatnin, and they give up what will be the lower of those two first-round picks they have for Brady Shea. Now I'll just very quickly bring up Cat Friendly to you, Alex. I want to read to you the Carolina Hurricanes and all the defensemen that they have, even the ones that are not healthy. So Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, who has five years left in this deal, by the way. Jake Gardner. Brett Pesci, Joel Edmondson, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Hayden Fleury. Jake Bean does not have a spot on this team. Sammy Vatnin is hurt, but will be coming back. And this guy, if they go on a deep playoff run, they might get him back. But still in there, Dougie Hamilton. Those are their defensemen. And they add Vincent Trocheck to add to their center depth of him, Sebastian Ajo, and Jordan Stahl. Can I read to you the third line? Of Carolina. Please. This is from Daily Faceoff. On the left, Nino Niederreiter. Gross. Down the middle, Vincent Trocek. On the right, Martin Nakash. You know what you know what this is? This is like when they got Niederreiter out of Minnesota last year. That's what this is gonna turn into. I really like this team. They're they're fun too. I love this team. Like, Ajo Svechnikov Teravine. I'm looking at so many of these players. I'm like, all right, they got so lucky to get Svechnikov. They ripped off Chicago because Chicago, of course, had to, when they were winning, to get Teravine. And Justin Williams just showed up. They got Jordan Stahl because the Penguins had too many good players. The Panthers had are, are poor, so they had to get rid of Vincent Trocek. Dezingle got screwed because he had a terrible end to last year. They got him. And then... The, the Rangers needed cat space to go bring back D'Angelo in the summer and that's scared the Brady Shea. And they cut Gardner because the because like poor Jake didn't want to go back to a Canadian team. Like okay, a round of applause I'm gonna give the Carolina Hurricanes. Good job. I like I love this team. Yeah, man. They trade I, I really like the Trocheck trade. Trocheck trade, sorry, because uh, they didn't like they gave up players, but I don't think they gave up that much. Like Eric Halla, sure he can be a competent center, second or third line if you a uh, second line if you need him to be. Lucas Walmark, uh, he's not, I don't know if he's necessarily a prospect anymore, but still quite young. And you get Chase Prisky and Etu Lusterainen in two prospects. And you don't know what those guys are going to be, but you know you have Vincent Trocheck this year and the next two years. And this is a team that's going to go on a run. Not only that, do you bring in Brady Shea for who you have how many years? 
uh, at least a few couple. I will get that up for you right now. And you also have Sammy Vatnin for this year as well. I don't necessarily think that's a guy they re-sign because uh, Dougie Hamilton's going to be back. They still have Brett Pesci. Like, man, this team is literally everywhere. And I can't imagine what this team looks like next year. You know, most of the forward core is probably going to be the same. Um, they're probably going to get rid of a defenseman. I think they bring in another goalie. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm I'm making this prediction right now. I would not be surprised if Robin Leonard is a Carolina Hurricane on July 1st. Uh, Brady Shea, five years left, by the way. Brady Shea for the next five years. I would not be surprised if he's a – if he is a Carolina Hurricane on Jan- on sorry July first, and don't forget, don't forget how good goalies are on this team. Petter Mrazek, what was he in Detroit? He was good, but I don't think many would could think that he would become like this. James Reimer was how bad in Florida? Not very good. Cam here comes here competent backup last year. Uh, Curtis McElhaney has probably the best season of his career at the age of what thirty something. Imagine having a actual number one starter on this team. With Not that on, in front of him. Sorry, pardon. With that defense in front of him. With an actual team in front of him instead of whatever the hell he's playing with this year in Chicago. I'm telling you, this team, it, they are going. They should make a, an addition to goalies. I'm surprised they didn't go out for in the goalie market. My, guess, my personal belief is that after Pesci got injured against uh, Toronto and it wasn't didn't seem like it was going to be short term. They probably wanted to bring in another D. I so this team to... is crazy. They're going to make a splash at the draft because they have to trade a defenseman. And I think they need to trade a few defensemen because, again, Jake B is not there. Vatanen will be gone, yes, but at the same time, you're adding Brady Shea, so whose spot is he going to take in the long term? So if the... here come... The Carolina Hurricanes, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think Jake Garner is a Carolina Hurricane after the draft. Because he's a left-handed defenseman. They still have Hayden Fleury who can play on the left. That's a guy you have to give a spot to next year. Uh, Joel Edmondson is a UFA, so probably gone. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, probably uh, gone. Depending on what you do with Sammy Vatnin. Like, this team literally has everyone. Do you think... I'm I'm having a terrible thought here because one of Florida or Toronto are getting that third wildcard spot. I don't know how or why, but yeah. But yeah, and they they don't deserve it. Like, let's let's be honest. Right now, neither of them deserve it. That's... There they are. Toronto, 74 points, third new division. The Hurricanes are third last in the Metro with 74 points. Yeah. 
I don't know why I'm getting this feeling. I, well, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be the Islanders that miss out anyway. So not the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, because, again, they just lost eight straight for the love of God, and they lost again last night. But- and they didn't make – a like, you look at the teams around them that is behind them is the Carolina Hurricanes, who just made – who made the biggest splashes in on trade deadline. Yeah. And – and, you know, I, I understand why Ke- Columbus didn't make any splashes, but they didn't. They're lagging behind to the Carolina Hurricanes at the end of the day. The, the point I'm looking at here is, so again, by the way, to do some comparisons here with the Metro, the Rangers have two games in hand on Toronto with only two points behind them. I am terrified looking at Carolina now. Or any of those Metro teams and thinking that one of them are going to get screwed out of a spot because of this dumb Atlantic, looking at this dumb divisional playoff format. I've always supported it, but this year is really one that's made me look at it and think, no, like we need to go back to 1-8 to eight because... You know I'm what we need? Screwed. You know what we need? Absolute if- chaos. We need 1-16. to 16. No, I don't know. No, no, no. I Come don't on. That'd be insane. You're Vancouver and you get met up with a Florida team? No, I don't know. I don't yeah, want Yeah, yeah. Do one through eight and then let the top of the division choose who they want to face. That's what I want. No, one to 16, man. Uh, no. <laughs> but anyway, we'll finish off here with the Atlantic division. And we'll start with the Detroit Red Wings, who, of course, getting rid of Mike Green and Andreas Athamasiu for a conditional fourth. Kyle Brontek, Sam Gagne, and two second rounders from the Oilers this year and next year. No complaints uh, for the Red Wings. I don't think there was much for them to sell off considering half their team is either absolutely young or absolutely on stupendous contracts. Apparently, Iserman tried to get a first out of Ken Holland, but Holland was like, yeah, no. No, thank you. Yeah, doesn't make sense there. I, I'm not surprised. Um, but there's nothing really for them. Okay, you have. I don't even think you could do that. Like Jonathan Erickson, probably not. I don't think anyone was calling about Jimmy Howard. No. There, there isn't much. There wasn't much for them to move other than those two guys. No. So... I'm pretty content with what they did. I guess moving on, we will look at... How about we look at Tampa Bay? Because okay. regardless... We, 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 yeah, I mean, just to get them out of the way, because we talked about Barkley Goudreau. Of course, they brought in Blake Coleman. I really do think... I think this is... T- I, I, I can't wait for the cup final. You heard it here first. is going to be Colorado-Tampa Bay, and I'm going to love it. You think so? Yeah. I don't know what else to say about Tampa, except I'm very, very excited to watch them. You know what I have to say is the assets that they lost in the two firsts, I bet they recuperate some some of those assets when they trade uh, Johnson, Kalorin, or Palat. To Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Probably. Know. Ew, fools. Let's look at another team we can make fun of here. Why Alex 
Why did the Buffalo Sabres go out and get Wayne Simmons? Yeah, I don't understand why they did that. I mean, okay, sure, they only gave up a fifth-round pick. I really like the move that, you know, Evan Rodriguez requested a trade. Connor Sheary quietly requested a trade. And then they got Dominic Cahoon for him, for both of them. I don't, I really don't mind that trade at all. Both of them were going to be free agents at the end of the year. I, I don't understand the Wayne Simmons deal. I mean, if they wanted to sign him, wait till the summer. I don't know why you go get him now. I also don't get why he waived his no trade clause to go there. Uh, closer to home. Also, why the hell did the Devils give him a no-move clause or no trade? Why? No idea. Fools. Fools, fools, fools. But oh, we talked about their... I had the Rangers on it because I forgot to bring up D'Angelo, but then I did. So I guess let's talk about... We've got five teams left here. Obviously, we'll save the Habs and the Leafs for last. So let's talk about a team where we talked about the cash deal from the Anaheim point of view. We've talked about it for the Bruins, so I guess we can talk about... The prototypical Bruin, Nick Ritchie, is now a member of the Boston Bruins. and they The are, guy literally sounds like a Bruin. Yes, the, and the Bruins are ready for a run. They, they are determined to get back to that cup final. They also have Nick Ritchie's brother. Is that Brett. where it's Brett? Yeah. But they waived him, so. Um, I am... Interested to see what this team does. Obviously, they made their big move before the deadline in bringing in Andre Kasha. I just, I, I don't think there, there was room there for Danton Heinen. He was playing on that second line. I don't know if you want him playing on the third line. I think you'd rather bring someone in for him. I think Nick Ritchie is more suitable for the third line on this team. I don't know how happy the Ducks were with Ritchie. I don't think he was progressing the way they wanted him to. And I think sending him to Boston, I think he can be a better player. Like, look at who he's not only just playing with, but the people he's interacting with. It's a different mindset. We you have something with the Bruins where they're, they're winners and Bergeron and all that just influence players. Exactly. I guess looking at the rest of – I want to save the sense – after this, because the Sens, I'm very, very happy with them. But the Florida Panthers had to do Chris Johnson reporting that apparently ownership told them they needed to cut $10 million. The internal cap that we all hate to hear. So, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you of the Sergei Bobrovsky and Anton Stroman signings because they were so fantastic. And I don't understand. If they needed an internal cap, why the hell? You want? Know I get the Brett Con- I I don't really understand the Brett Connolly and Anton Strauman signings, but I get you needed forwards and defensemen. But why on earth would you sign Sergei Bobrovsky to eight years, or was it eight years or seven? I believe it's seven because they can see. Right. Seven years at $10 million. And not even a year later. Are you coming out and there's reports that you have an internal cap at $71 million? Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Their financial, like, if you just take a second to look at their cap friendly, it's a bit of a disaster. They had to return, they had to retain Sauer and Jason Demers. 
Demir, sorry. They've still got four more years of the Scott Darling buyout. Of course, they have a little long-go penalty, not as bad as the Canucks, but it's, it's still there. And, I mean, they're lucky that Barkov and Hubert are on great deals. They're losing one of Hoffman or Dadnoff. Connolly still has four years at 3.5. Do you need to give, let's be honest, a middle six player that long? No, you don't. If you want to bring Herakawa back, that's a guy who can get you 20 goals, but he's going to be charging you the sun and the moon because he knows that you need him. And then Nolachari, three years, 1.6, and you gave him a modified no-trade clause. I mean, like, any other yeah. deal, and Keith Yandel still has four years at 6.3, and, like, this team is... It's not built very well, minus the two good deals you have for your best players. It, it For me, it comes down to... You need to get rid of $10 million, and it's February 25th. Why, again, why do you go and sign Sergei Bobrovsky at $10 million when there was more competent uh, goalies, more consistent goalies out there? You, you, You couldn't call Robin Leonard? You couldn't call Semyon Varlamov? Really? Uh, that's five mi- four, uh, four or five, four or five million dollars less. This has to be a recent thing because they were also apparently in. Remember, there was that rumor they were going to get Panarin and Bobrovsky. So this is this is clearly something that's happened recently with the team. I don't understand. I love looking at cap friendly how they have the salary breakdowns. And I love the pie chart because you get to see where it's. You know, Strawman makes only like 400k less than Markov. <clears throat> Mike Matheson has more cap hit than Evgeny Dodonov, and all. It's just, a... and then you give up Trocheck for what's basically spare parts. Right now, yeah. It feels like when you're trying to make a cheesy deal in NHL, and you just throw in a bunch of assets and like prospects of great potential at 21 years old that you know aren't going to make it. And you're like, all right, go, go, go throw this all together for maybe a second or two seconds for a first rounder here, boys. That's the type of deal I'm looking at the floor of the Panthers. And I'm so disappointed because I am pretty sure now the Leafs are getting that third wild card without... I don't know problem. why. And oh, and by the way, forget about the player signings. You also gave Joe Quinville, which is a, is a great coach. You also gave him probably one of the richest deals in the league. So, um, not a great time for it to be having some internal cap issues, but, uh, yeah. Shall we move on to everyone's favorite team, the Ottawa Senators? See, I know you you were upset about the Nemesikov deal, but I just want to read you something. I'm not upset. Let me be clear. I'm not upset. I'm just saying I told you so. Well, okay. So, of course... <laughs> So this is what – I'll just read you this before I give you the specific, specific trades. This year in the NHL entry draft, the Senators have two-sixths, a fifth, a fourth, two-thirds, four seconds, and three first-round picks. Yeah. Uh, listen, I have them as winners. I'm just being clear. I have them as winners. I love the Pajot trade. Uh, they got a whole bucket load of guys. Uh, they brought – they sent out Tyler Ennis for a fifth, which is good. They, like, you know, I'm not, they brought back a fourth from Nemestikov, but... It's moving down. 
What is it? Wasn't because they gave up a fourth to get him, didn't they? Yeah, so they gave up this year's fourth to get him, and now they're going to get neck a uh, uh, fourth next year from the Avalanche. I'm just, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not apologizing for the comments I made. But you shout out to Pierre Dorian because he's done such a good job this year in keeping everything internally. Who knew? Who knew he could do his job? I feel like if you don't have an owner down your throat 24-7, you can do your job properly. Yeah. What a surprise. All right here, Alex. We've got the Leafs. We've got the Habs to finish off. Where are we going? Uh, You can go first. So I can be as mad as I want about Tatar and Petrie not getting moved, but at the same time, Mark Bergevin told us all they weren't going to get moved. And again, I can get mad about the direction the team is going, but I have done that, and you have helped me with that many times on the show, Alex. So what I've gotten mad with you. Yes. Um, Victor Mete is out for the rest of the season because injuries just hate the Habs. So that happened. Oh, Tyler yeah, sure. lead. The Habs blew another multi-goal lead last night, so uh, that was fun. But looking at the deadline for the Montreal Canadiens, they turned Marco Scandella, Ilya Kovalchuk, Nate Thompson, and Nick Cousins into a second... A th- a third this year, along with a conditional fourth, probably. And a 2021 fourth and fifth for those four guys. I, I, a great asset management. The one issue was apparently they had better deals for Scandella. Sorry, for not Scandella, for Ilya Kovalchuk, but they asked him which one you want to go to. And, uh, and so. they sent him to his, his countrymen in, in Washington and Ovechkin and that. See, I don't know why. If I'm going to complain about one thing here, it's going to be I'm incredibly pissed off that they seem to have showed more loyalty to Ilya Kovalchuk than they did to Andre Markov, who, again, Andre Markov is your second highest scoring defenseman in Habs history and 990 games. Instead, you're going for this Ilya Kovalchuk guy who didn't even play 30 games for this team, I think. Because you want to hopefully bring him back when you're hopefully going to be getting guys like Evans and all that next year. Not Evans, but uh, guys like Caulfield, Romanov, and all that. I'm, I, unless they're thinking that bringing Kovalchuk in again is going to help with Alex Romanov, which, I'm whatever. But it's just, it's very upsetting that Mark Bergeron seemed to have bent over backwards for Ilya Kovalchuk. Even though, if you remember when the whole Radulov thing happened, he made that comment about if you want loyalty, go get a dog. But he, he listen. Still, great returns for let's face it, a middle six winger in this point of his career, a a third pairing defenseman, and two fourth liners. Exactly, it's asset management. Yeah, and, and and the one thing I like about this deal, the this couple of deals in particular, is that he started uh, draft pick pilot, stockpiling for next year. Right, like he brings in a fourth for next year, and he brings in a fifth for next year because you can't have twenty picks in one year, and then you're gonna have to all sign them all, right? There so was interesting snippet from Thirty One Thought. No, sorry, from the end of Pierre LeBron's <laughs> article saying one team to monitor this offseason, Montreal. I've talked to a few of his colleagues around the league over the past few weeks who believe GM Mark Bergeron will be swinging for the fences this summer. Now, normally I would say, oh, great, where have I heard this before? 
But there is a tradition when a team holds the draft that they try and do a big move in front of their fans. And to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, this year in the 2020 draft, which is in Montreal, two-sevenths, a sixth, two-fifths, three-fourths, two-thirds, three-seconds, and a first-round pick for the Montreal Canadiens. So what's, they, the, what's the big deal? Does he trade uh, two-fifths for a fourth or something? I think they trade a seventh, a sixth, two-fifths, three-fourths, two-thirds, three-seconds, and one first-round pick for the first overall pick. That's not getting you anywhere close to the first overall pick. And Jake Evans. Not is now you're even farther away. Well, I can't hold the frick on. Jake Evans is a solid bottom six, gonna be great whole, play today. Coaches play. But no, farther I, away. I mean, I don't know how I I don't know how honest that is, but what I do like honestly, Alex, is that when I see something like that and I, I, I'm going to the draft, I can I can hope. I can hope for moves, honestly. But I it's just I want this team to lose for the rest of the season. Please just try and get a good pick, especially in the top ten because of how special it's supposed to be this year. And I like it's in your city. Do something big. Excuse me. Please do something big. And apparently, one big snippet that's come out is apparently Brendan Gallagher and his agent are very focused on getting an extension done because he'll be be eligible for one come July first. So uh, that's very encouraging. Same with uh, Philippe Deneau, which the John Gabriel Pajot deal could be an outlier for that one. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, fun times in Montreal. Philippe Deneau is better than Jean Gabriel Pajot, by the way. So you're telling me he's going to get more than Jean Gabriel Pajot? No, I'm just saying if if Philippe Deneau makes between four and five million dollars, I don't think it'd be the worst thing. But also, I don't think Philippe Deneau would be that hard to trade. Because he's a center that can go up and down your lineup in this fantastic two-way. And if you look at his advanced stats, he's a really good player. But at the same time, I don't want you to ever treat Philip No, because he is fantastic. Or until Yemi uh, and Suzuki take his spot. Then it's goodbye, Phil. But that, that probably won't be for a few years. But I guess we should finish off talking about a certain team that... Lost to a 42-year-old former Zamboni driver. So I guess be, before we go officially into the trade deadline for the Leafs. Can I just say I was trying to get over it and it was brought up on Monday night's class. Can I just say that? Oh, yeah, because Gary Gould mentioned it. Like he described it in detail, just in case I forgot. And you're not over it? <laughs> well, they, they didn't do no. They got the pick in the Leonard deal, and they didn't. Okay. Can I? I, I want to. I want to find something because listen, I like Kyle Dubis, but um, I uh, there was this tweet. I'm sure you saw it. It was the tweet that he quote tweeted it, but didn't actually say something. So he basically he put a link. He put a link. Yeah. To. I didn't <laughs> click on it though. What was it? I'll check the link right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Either way, Watts. my understanding. What the fuck? Alan Watts, the story of the Chinese farmer. So I think it's a mute, it's a song, but oh. it was a tweet that said from uh, Lance Hornby to yeah. Varys on Muzzin going down. He's been playing great, no question. It's a big loss, but we can't have our heads and think. We can't hang our heads and think. 
why us? As a group, we have to step up and fill that void. When Sandy and Lindgren get more opportunities, that's their chance to relish it. And Dubis just quote tweets it and puts this this thing to a song. And all I can see is like a Chinese farmer in the field with like a goat or something. Honestly, I have no idea. Maybe the next day, the construction officer came around looking for people for the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. <laughs> These are some of the lyrics that I'm seeing. I, I have no idea. Maybe. Like, Kyle, shut up. Get off the Twitter. And they, Muslim's now out for four weeks, obviously. They didn't do anything at the deadline, which is, I mean, so you're basically saying, hey, this is our team. You go and got Callie Rosen back. They don't freaking deserve a better player if you if you think in if anyone on twitter thinks in their right mind that the toronto maple leafs i don't give a rat's ass how they played last night or against pittsburgh when they won i don't care if you think this team deserves matt dumba you think this team deserves a better player you're dead wrong I just don't get why he's retweeting a quote from his captain. I mean, do you know I, the gives it too? gives a crap? Who cares? Who like, cares, up, dude? Who I'm cares? Nervous, who like, cares? <laughs> who literally? Who gives? This it's is a the team. smallest thing in the world. When he quote tweeted something. No, no, there's, no. there's literally a hundred other things to deal with right now with this team, and you want to talk about a quote tweet. Because you're the GM. Like you, he, he's the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He knew exactly what he was doing saying that. The Leafs knew exactly what they were doing announcing the the uh, extension for Muzzin the moment the deadline was over. And no well, yes, because that's how, it, that's how we had this discussion on why they did that. I thought it, it was, was a salary cap thing, yes. yes. Oh, listen, listen. All I'm saying is if I'm the GM of the Leafs, what business do you have tweeting out the stupid song with these deep – his stupid tweet about, like, going the opposite way of expectations? Like, your team is struggling right now. And, like, I, again – The I team is playing like crap, and he knows it. The He's not wrong. The answer is literally in the room. If you come to me and tell me that you have three of the best players in the game and tell me the answer is not in the room, you're delusional. You're delusional. You're telling me that Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner can't figure this out? If they give a crap, they can figure it out. But they haven't given a crap. And, correct. So the answer is in the room. They have to figure it out and give a crap. It's so simple. The answer is so simple. But getting to that is the most difficult thing in the world. Because... I, I so, like, what do they do now? What does this team do? They this team Tampa last night, but nobody's. Everyone is still not quite believing in the team. Again, like I texted you last night. I said this team is fooling us again. I don't care if you play like this for two night, two games in a row. Play like this for the rest of the season. If they play like this for the rest of the season, I'm. I might change my mind. Last night, you know what? They played better than they did on Saturday. They played better than they did against Florida. They played better than they did against Pittsburgh. 
I mean, it wasn't the greatest performance I've seen from them, but it was still better than whatever the hell they've been playing like. For a fact, it is a legitimate fact that every Leafs fan knows that this team, when they give a crap, can play very well. Game five last year, by far the best performance I've ever seen from this team. So it's there. The, 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 the give a crap effort is there. It's the fact that they don't every single night. I had this discussion, right? We talked about this. I, I, I don't remember the last time I heard uh, someone talk about Boston, someone talk about Tampa, someone talk about Washington, someone talk about St. Louis and say, man, they don't look like they care. Never. Even when Tampa was doing garbage, no one was saying, man, they don't look like they care. They were saying, man, they're playing like garbage. That's what's wrong with this team. I don't know how you fix it. It's a mentality thing. I We had this discussion last episode. It's clearly a mentality issue. I, you can't bring anyone in. They don't deserve it. Is it. Then can you really just keep everyone and not make a deal? What he should have done yesterday, and I guess now looking that Jake Muzzin is injured, might have been the smart move, is not is he should have traded Tyson Berry, but if apparently they were getting offers the uh, offers like the Eric Gustafson deal and the Sammy Vatnin deal. Which Freeman, uh, Freeman also said there was a deal with Troy Setcher, but the Canucks didn't have the picks. Well, did he say what they were offering, or it was just Troy Stetcher? The only part I believe he mentioned was Troy Stetcher. I'll double-check the part of the article now. But this team has not proved to anyone, has not proved to Kyle Dubas, has not proved to Brendan Shanahan, has not proved to Sheldon Keefe, has not proved to me, has not proved to Leaf fans on Twitter, have not proved to Leaf fans who aren't on Twitter, that this team deserves a single extra thing. You can put Alex Petrangelo on this team next year. If they have the same BS mentality, they're not going to get anywhere. Uh, no, not. only brings up Troy Stetcher. Nothing about – nothing exact. That's fine. They're not going to get anywhere. It's clear the answer is in the room. It's so clear to me because I've seen them play when they actually care. That's the issue with this team is that the team doesn't care. And if that means, you know what, if you want to sit here and talk about the contracts, that's fine. You, you're playing you're like, getting implicit complacent. You're getting your what? Well, let's talk about that then because it's been made clear. You play in Toronto. You probably have the best facilities. Like I, I've seen some like backstage things of like, just like the the bell center and like where the players hanging out in that fraction, like from the old like twenty four CH documentaries, those are pretty freaking nice places. So you have the best you know opportunities as a player to grow yourself as a brand and all that. You're gonna have the best lifestyle and all this type of stuff. Yeah, you make if you're an Austin Matthews, you make eleven million. You're Mitch Marner, you make eleven million from your signing bonus alone. You're John Tavares, you're William Nylander, you're Kasperi Kapanen. Well, you're Ilya Mikheyev making soup commercials and all that type of stuff. You, I, 
how you have everything literally is there for you on the silver platter. Everything is there for you. So how do you change your mind? Because it, when somebody is complacent, it's very difficult to change them as people. I'll tell you how this team changes, how this team has their changed minds change. If they play like whatever the hell, like they don't care for the rest of the year, like if they're just fooling us every other game, the way you change their mentality is trade one of them. And and I I don't remember where they were talking about this. I apologize. One of TSN or Sportsnet. I guarantee you, if you trade Mitch Marner, you trade William Nylander somewhere else. Number one, that's a kick in the ass to the team, saying, um, if you're gonna play like garbage, you can go. Number two, when you're texting when you're texting back with the player that got traded and say, wow, I wish I was still in Toronto because we have this, we have that, and you have still have this. They were on SDP is when uh, I think Adam Wilde was talking about that. That matters. You realize what you have. Right now, they don't understand. They're clueless. And for some reason... This is okay. This is the problem from a fan's perspective, from my perspective. So much of the blame for the last 4 years has been put on on Mike Babcock. Right? Yes. Mike uh then Lamorello uh didn't renew Mike Mark Hunter didn't come back and Kyle Dubas got hired. All the old people crapped their pants in their diapers. Um, that that was the start of something. Then Mike Babcock got fired. Who the hell are we going to blame? Because obviously these people are clueless and don't want to blame the players because that's the obvious answer. So now these absolute smart asses on Twitter are saying, oh, uh, Kyle Dubas needs to be fired. Kyle Dubas needs to be fired. Uh, he's made this team worse. Okay, number one, John Tavares would be a Leaf. Leo Komarov would still be a Leaf. Nikita Zaitsev would still be a Leaf. Shall I continue? Shall yeah. I continue? Uh, it doesn't... It, the, the clueless people who are legitimately trying to tell me that Lou Lamorello would put together a better team. I don't care how far they went last year. I genuinely don't. I don't care how far the Islanders went last year. He just signed Anders Lee to seven years at seven million. He just signed John Gabriel Pajot to whatever that was. Start blaming the players. Like, this it's the most obvious answer. Well, and, they have been blaming the players. I think the last few months it's definitely started to be the players. All the blame, 90% of this is on the players. If anyone's ever watched this team play, they know that they can put up the effort because we've seen it. Multiple games, we've seen them put effort and look dominant. No, not against Detroit, like against good teams. So how about you open your eyes for 30 seconds and say, you know what? Yeah, Kyle Dubas probably didn't make the right trade when he traded Kadri. I I'm 
acknowledging that he did not make the right trade there. But to sit there and tell me that other things he did weren't good? Really? But has Kyle, let me ask you this then. Forget about the hockey side of things. Let's look at the personnel side of things. Don't, uh, Alex, okay. Alex. Because there is a clear thing, and they talked about this in SDP too. They don't respect Dubas. And there's only, like, you can't have your employees not respecting That's you. That's fine. Correct. So he needs to do something, like, right? Like I said before, he needs to do something that, changes that he needs to trade someone and it, it's not and it can't just be who mason marchman or whoever else it needs to be happening it needs to be uh johnson it needs to be uh nylander it needs to be i don't want him to trade nylander if that's what it's gonna take that's what it's gonna take but Again, he's going to look stupid trading Nylander. It's it's really not going to look good. But I get he's not respected by the players. I, I get that. I think he's trying to be friends with them. He's taking the Michael Scott approach. Have you ever seen The Office? You can be friends and boss at the same time. That's what Michael Scott did. Um, but... I, I get for I get you want yes, but I think a lot of my concern is on the ice. I understand the off ice, off ice things, right? I think where where Dubis thrives with finding players that can play on play on the ice, like Jason Spezza. Okay. Yeah. He's he helped develop half this team. He was the GM of the Marlies when half these players were there. Does that not say something? He brought in no, Sheldon Keefe. He brought in Sheldon Keefe in the Marlies with the Marlies. He brought in Sheldon Keefe for the Leafs. Fine. Where he he but he lacks with the some of the off ice stuff. I, can you name me one perfect GM? Steve Eiserman. Shoot. Okay, <laughs> can you name me five? Can you name me more than one? Uh, no. Okay, they're very rare. There's 31 teams in this league, and you can name me one. Paul Fenton. No, far, the farthest from perfect. Perfectly garbage. That's what he is. Okay. So I I get it. You're you, you, there's no like it's it's ridiculous. I I for me the biggest concern is on the ice get them caring. My biggest concern with the fans is that you need to open your eyes for 30 seconds, watch them play whatever dominant game. It's uh, it they've done it before. I'm not saying Kyle Dubas is the perfect GM. In no way, shape, or form am I saying that. But to sit there and say he needs to be fired right now is just wrong. That's it. That's it? Unless you have another question. Um, I don't think I do. If you want some good news, it was official that apparently Mikhaev has been named Campbell Canada's chief soup officer. I saw that. 
because uh, whatever. Uh, soup. All so, right. No. I think I think that is everything for today. A bit of a hot episode, I'd say. Anytime I talk about the leaves, it's hot. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll call it there, though. How long was today's show? Oh, boy. It was like two hours. Crap. Whoa. All right, then, ladies and gentlemen. If you enjoyed today's episode, because I think you should, um, you should, of course, depending on where you listen to this podcast, if there's a follow, a subscribe, a like, a follow, any sort of that stuff, you should do it. Why not? So you can uh, you know, follow this show because you love it so much. Especially that we will, well, we're working on getting a great guest to the show, a legit member of, of the business, you can say, as we call it. Someone in the industry. Thanks to Alex, of course. Um, also, why don't you go check out the show's Instagram and YouTube channel, as well as my YouTube channel, or not go do that, and we will hopefully see you in the next episode. I think that's With Daniel. With Daniel? Is he actually coming? I'm not sure. Maybe if we say it enough, it's like in, in Peter Pan, when everyone has to clap so Tinkerbell comes back alive. If we believe that he'll come, hopefully he'll come. Okay. All right. We'll see you later, everybody. <laughs>